Hello and welcome back to this video. Today we're going to be responding to Jordan B. Peterson's recent article called Back Off, O Masters of the Universe, a discussion about these globalists and climate change activists, globalist utopians, as he calls it in the description, and we're going to analyze it. So without further ado, let's get right into this video. We're going to start playing it at two times speed and we're going to be reacting to the parts where I think are the most vital and influential. Let's get right into it. So I've written a number of these news pieces, let's say commentaries, recently, and people have objected, some people have objected to my tone. I'm often dealing with things that I would say frighten me to take on to some degree. They're big issues and they're contentious. And so a handy source of impetus and power, I mean, motive power in such situations is to harness a certain degree of outrage and anger. That also fuels my spirit, I suppose, in some sense, when I'm writing these articles, it would be easier in many ways just to sit on the couch and, and read a Stephen King novel, but I have to get up the energy. And maybe I do that by relying to an untenable degree on wrath, which is a cardinal sin in some regards. Now, I think that this is a very interesting point. Um, he starts off with saying that a lot of times when he's making a response video, it's coming from a place of anger. And at least he's using that anger to kind of drive his response and his analysis of the topic. And I do recognize that this is something which it's very easy to be caught up in. I do it sometimes. I watch a video. I'm like, how on earth could this be the case? I make a video and then after I upload and all those things, I look back at it. And I'm like, yeah, I probably could have had a bit of a better tone. I could have used a bit of a better um, understanding, a bit of a calmer understanding while I was approaching it. And yes, that's something which happens to a lot of us. And it's, as you know, it's, it's very important for us to kind of differentiate between the two and say, well, yes, it's it's all right to have the anger. It's all right to use that to drive you. But at the same time, you can't use that to get in the way of your analytical thinking, your your response, your respect towards the person you're responding or talking to. That's something which is very important to keep in mind. If you're seeking the cause of the Dutch agriculture and fisheries protests, the Canadian trucker convoy, or before that, the rise of the so-called yellow jackets in France, the farmer rebellion in India a few years ago, the recent catastrophic collapse of Sri Lanka, or the energy crises in Europe and Australia, you can instruct yourself by the recent pronouncements from Deloitte. While not directly responsible, they offer an insight into the elite groupthink that has triggered these events, into the cabal of centralizing globalist utopians operating in the media, corporate, and government fronts, wielding a nightmarish vision of environmental apocalypse. I'd like to um, talk about it for um, a second, and I think there's a few things we can pick up here. Firstly, it's um, his case on climate change. I don't think we'll talk too much about climate change, at least as a topic itself, I think that you can believe whatever you want about it. Of course, there's clear developments in the scientific sphere where it's quite clear that the world is having this global warming phenomenon, the degree to which it's caused purely by humans and the degree to which it should be kind of fought against is definitely up to debate. I don't think it's necessarily the, the problem, which is the issue, but rather its solution, which is truly the heart of the debate. And I think a lot of the times the left and the right, there are arguments about shifting what the problem is when that's not necessarily what should actually be talked about. One can happily accept climate change, but at the same time say, well, are we really approaching it from the right direction? Are the people who are supporting it or arguing for this climate change um, activism, which is often seen on the left, are they going about it the correct way? And that's also something you can ask yourself independently. <clears throat> now, another thing that he also talks about is the idea that there are these kind of um, individuals or hidden elites of group thinks which try to influence society as a whole. They try to influence the thoughts and feelings of people and try to manipulate them to achieve their own goals, whatever their political agenda is. And that, of course, is something which is true. I don't think it's deniable that there are these. And of course, the idea of an Illuminati is a bit extreme, but the same time the idea that there are these big tech companies or there's these big um, organizations or these powerful individuals which are trying to influence society is definitely undeniable the way that youtube algorithms social media algorithms work are there to create echo chambers to brainwash and influence people if you want me to um get an analysis of social media and its problems feel free to check above i'll make i have made a video about it and you can go check that out after this video the report opens 
with two claims. First, that the storms, wildfires, droughts, downpours, and floods around the globe in the last 18 months are unique and unprecedented. A dubious claim. And implicitly, that the science is now at a point where we can say, without doubt, that experts can and must model the entire ecology and economy of the planet. And that we must modify everyone's behavior moving forward, by hook or by crook, to avoid what would otherwise be the most expensive environmental and social catastrophe in history. The Deloitte models posit that climate impacts could affect global economic output. And offer the following figures that unchecked climate change will cost us. $178 trillion over the next 50 years. That's $25,000 per person, to put it in human terms. Who dares deny such facts, stated so mathematically, so precisely, so scientifically? Let's update Mark Twain's famous dictum. There are lies, damned lies, statistics, and computer models. Computer model does not mean data. And even data does not mean fact or real world. Computer model means, at best, hypotheses posing as mathematical fact. No real scientist ever says, follow the science. Yet, this is exactly what bodies such as the EU consistently pronounce, pushing for collectivist solutions that often and inevitably do more harm than good. I do think that Dr. Peterson does indeed point out something which is very important, and that is no one ever says follow the science, because, well, when you say follow the science, it becomes a meaningless catchphrase, because what is science? Science is fundamentally either a methodology or a way in which you approach the world. Testing, hypothesis testing. And when you look at these data, these models, it's not necessarily something to say, well, that is absolute fact. Oh, this model predicts in a, a certain way, a development of a certain way, that is something which you would call extrapolation. While it can be used as a way to estimate the what occurs in the future, there's a lot of extrapolations which just are not, um, which just do not hold properly. For example, you're trying to test some certain idea and you have this kind of this, I, you're, you're drawing a line, right? And you make a line, you make your dots where you get your results and you see that it's slowly going forward. Well, it's, it's possible to extrapolate. That's going to continue going on for a bit. But then at the same time, if you're going to draw that line and just continue ad infinitum, there is a point where it's clearly going to be ridiculous and that extrapolation is not going to work. And the same idea can be applied to the hypotheses and the extrapolation that is being used by a lot of people in um, social media today, especially on the left, is that we see a lot of them are saying, well, okay, the science is moving towards a certain direction. Oh, this certain hypothesis is moving towards a certain direction. Okay, then now that is now that hypothesis, that extrapolation is indeed the facts, when indeed extrapolations that in the end of themselves are known to be problematic and ridiculous at a lot of times. And while it shouldn't be completely dismissed, it should be taken with a significant grain of salt and be analyzed in further depth. Truly valid structures of authority are local not centralized for reasons of efficiency and emergency. This must not become the generation of yet another top-down Tower of Babel that will not solve our problems, just as similar attempts have failed to solve our problems in the past. The global economy, let alone the environment, is simply too complex to model. It is for this reason, fundamentally, that we have and require a free market system. The free market is the best model of the environment we can generate. Let me repeat that with a codicil. Not only is the free market the best model of the environment we can generate, it is and will remain the best model that can, in principle, ever be generated. Now, I think that he raises two problems or two ideas here. Firstly, he talks about the idea that we cannot have a top-down approach, um, a, a somewhat of a centralization of economy or indeed climate change, or in fact, in any sphere of the imagination. Time and time again throughout history, we see models where um, centralized or overly centralized um, states like USSR, Russia, or Maoist China, the market develops to adhere to perceived problems instead of actual problems and leads to the actual problems at the base level, the people level, the, the level of those who are at the bottom to be most affected. That's something which is seen time and time and time again. Now, the second thing he talks about is that capitalism is the only way, or at least a free market economy, and that cannot necessarily be um, conflated together as um, a word for word, a tautological relation, but nevertheless, there is a um, link to the free market and capitalism can't necessarily have free market communism, at, at least in the ways that has been produced so far. Of course, you can say there's trade and that's free market, but in some sense, the moment you introduce trade, capitalism arises anyway. So 
naturally, if you're talking about free market, and I do agree with Jordan Peterson, is that it, the free market is indeed the only way in which one can develop for both as a development of ideologies, development of ideas, development of, of money, development of wealth, development of society, and every single way of the imagination, a free market is indeed the best way in which we can move forward because the free market allows for individuals and from individuals allows progress. The saviors at Deloitte admit that there will be a short-term cost to implementing their cure during the initial stages. The combined cost of the upfront investments in decarbonization, coupled with the already locked-in damages of climate change, would temporarily lower economic activity compared to the current emissions-intensive path. Most of the time throughout history, any tyranny, if you look at it throughout history, most of them are based upon a certain idea of crisis. There is the crisis at hand. Let's make the most of this crisis as the next threat to humanity, and I am the only way to save it. That's the same with Hitler. That's the same with Mao. That's the same with um, Lenin when they were doing the, the Russian Revolution. There, throughout history, most changes in power, either for good or for evil in, in that matter, are based on crises. You have a crisis, you have someone who pronounces themselves as the savior, and then that savior then gains complete control of the masses. That's, that's just a motif which occurs again and again and again and again. And think, really think about this statement. Existing industries would be reconstituted as a series of complex interconnected emissions-free energy systems, energy mobility industry, manufacturing, food and land use, and negative emissions. That sounds difficult, don't you think? To rebuild everything at once, and better, without breaking everything. Fixing everything in a few decades, in a blindly panicked rush, while demonizing anyone who dares object. Perhaps my understanding of um, the Detroit article wasn't as clear, but now it seems that from his representation, it does appear that the, the, the formal solution is a form of communism, that they're arguing towards a socialist utopia where, for some reason, not even socialist, a communist utopia, where the government takes all control, like a, like a fascist state, takes all control of everything, drives it forward, you don't agree with me, then get out of the here. You're going to end up in some um, concentration camp somewhere in the middle of nowhere. That appears to be what's occurring. And I, I do understand um, where he's coming from. And I do understand that there is indeed a great risk of something like that happening. Because, of course, if you are really going to try to um, push through with such radical changes, the government is going to have to be given um, powers, emergency powers, perhaps. It's what you saw in the revolution of Hitler, right? When... When he tried to come into power, he basically took control after they they burnt down the Reichstag or something like that. If I remember my history correctly, they took control of all the police and said, well, let's target all our enemies. And then given that power, they basically took over everything and then they they instated the Reich. So that is um, essentially what I think Jordan Peterson is very worried about. And of course, I think it's a completely a justifiable worry. The one thing the Deloitte models guarantee is that if we do what they recommend, we will definitely be poorer than we would have been otherwise for an indefinite but hypothetically transitory period. Yet, any reduction in economic output, however temporary and necessary, will be purchased at the cost of the lives of those who are barely making it now. Period. How much short-term pain are you going to be required to sustain? Decades worth? All your life and the life of your children? It's very likely. For your own benefit. Remember that. And all this painful privation is not only not going to save the planet, it's going to make it far worse. I learned that the fastest and most certain pathway forward to the future we all want and need, peaceful, prosperous, beautiful, is through the economic elevation of the absolutely poor. Well, I, I don't think there's anything controversial or worth um, analyzing too far here. The goal of society should be to elevate the bottom and help allow those who already have that certain stable amount of income to focus on other things apart from survival. And of course, survival has become way and way more difficult today and a lot of people in the lower to middle class are indeed falling into that lower class and finding it way more difficult to survive. 
And of course, there's naturally those checks and balances that we have to take into consideration. I do think that in some sense, even though the left like to be proclaiming their, their, them to be the savior of the working class, the savior of the proletariat, throughout history, it's been clear that the left and their, their collectivist ideologies do nothing apart from harming those people in those poorest parts of the society. But it's a clear idea that capitalism is the best way to bring the people from the bottom up, and that development in all countries throughout the world is ultimately a development of capitalism, or at least capitalist ideas, even though at times it is embraced or labeled as socialism, for example, China under Deng, it was essentially capitalist, or at least a free market with, of course, quite a few more controls than normal in the USA. Nevertheless, it was the move to capitalist ideas, or the at least incorporation of capitalist ideas, which allowed for the development of society. And that's something you see throughout history. There are clearly more important priorities than costly and ineffective emergency climate change reductions. Bjorn Longberg's work, among others, such as Marion Tupi and Matt Ridley, has demonstrated that other pressing problems could and should take political and economic priority from the perspective of good done per dollar spent. Money could and should be spent, for example, to ensure the current health and therefore future productivity and environmental stewardship of currently poor children in developing countries, for example. How about attending to remediation of the actual world of pain and deprivation of such children, rather than saving the hypothetical world and the hypothetical world of future children? This agenda, justified by emergency, will instead make everyone poorer, particularly those who are already poor. This use of emergency force will instead make the lives of the working men upon whom we all depend for our daily bread and shelter more difficult and less rewarding. Now, of course, it's very, very, very easy to um, dismiss or say that um, Jordan Peterson is against all people uh, fighting climate change. I don't think that's his argument. What he is saying rather is that, well, let everyone choose their own way going forward. If you want to help or fight against climate change in a certain way, then go do that for yourself. If you want to do something else, perhaps maybe um, develop some other things, help um, people in education, help poor children, then do that as well. I mean, seek whatever is best suited for you to follow the ultimate goal, your ultimate goal, and that's the most important thing. We should obtain true cooperative consent from those affected, farmers, truckers, working class people, who have turned an irritated desperation to figures such as Trump, and work with them rather than forbidding them with your power or improving them so they will be finally worthy of your time and attention. Help replace dirty energy with clean if you must, but do it on your own dime and make sure that the results are cheap and plentiful if you want to help the poor and the planet. The warning bells are ringing. Listen to them before they turn into sirens. We will not advance without resistance through the straits of your enforced privation. We will not allow you to steal and destroy the energy that makes our lives bearable and that produces our food and shelter and housing and the sporadic delights of modern life just to address your existential terror, particularly when it will fail to do so in any case. We will not allow our children to be criticized first for having the temerity to merely exist and then deprived of the prosperous and opportunity-rich future we strive so hard to prepare for them. We remain unconvinced that your frightened and self-congratulatory moralizing and intellectual pretension, ignorance of the limits of statistics and misuse of arithmetic. We do not believe, finally, and most absolutely, that your declared emergency and the panic you sow because of it means that you should now be seated all necessary authority. And you know, I think that that's a very important message. At the end of the day, when we're looking at this society, it's very important that we all choose our own paths as individuals. Now, of course, there are certain paths which are objectively better than others. However, at the same time, we have to recognize that it is, it is pointless to start off from a moralizing standpoint and say, well, I am this moral high ground and you're horrible. And that's the worst thing that can ever happen. I mean, the Christian worldview is so clear in saying, well, we all are sinners and we are all trying to search and draw closer to the divine. And if you're falling away from that path, if you're not trying to search for the good, then of course you're in the wrong. And, and as a result, it's not helpful to just say, well, I am suddenly this moral high ground God where I can look at you and say, well, all of you people are peasants. And you're all doing horrible in the moral landscape. That's just not the way to go forward. If you want to 
convince someone about a problem, then well, give them a good argument, give them good reasons, give them good statistics, and then use those statistics properly in order to find a certain conclusion. And that's at the end of the day is the most important thing. Hope you've enjoyed this video. If you enjoyed this video, make sure to like and subscribe. Let me know if you want more comments and videos like this where I react and analyze certain comments or videos set by famous public figures. Let me know your thoughts and I'll see you in the next one. Stay safe and I'll see you soon.